Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Android Central podcast. My name is Shruti Shaker. I'm a writer here at Android Central. And yet, one more time again, we have a special episode for you.、Uh, we're not going to be doing a reaction sort of piece, but I'm going to introduce Nick Sutrick, a writer at Android Central. Hi, Nick. Hey, hey. So it's interesting for us today. We don't have any other guests because、um, Nick and I, we did a special interview with. Uh, Carl Pei, CEO and founder of Nothing, which I, some, I think some people probably knew on Twitter because I had like done a blast on Twitter being like, we're so excited to do this, this interview, but I didn't name <laughs> anyone's names. <laughs> and then someone commented, Nick, you showed me the screenshot, right? You were like, some guy was like at Get Paid. So like Carl Pei's Twitter. Right.、Um, And yeah, we, we, we had a really great conversation. We did the conversation on June 1st, which was a Wednesday, and we're doing this intro recording on June 2nd. We thought maybe we'll do a reaction, but then the interview with Carl was like, what, 40 minutes? It was like 42 or 43, I think. It was、yeah. just shy of 45, whatever it was. Yeah. And so we thought maybe let's just leave it as a special、uh, interview <laughs> episode, I guess. I don't know. What, what did you think of the episode? What, or what did you think of the interview, Nick?、Uh, it went really well. I, I was actually happy that we had more than half an hour because I always feel like 30 minutes is maybe a little too short depending on the topic.、Um, and yeah, I, I, I feel like we definitely had enough time to cover what we wanted to cover. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I, you guys are gonna, you're, you're about to listen to the, to the, the interview, but. One thing I sort of took away from the interview was just how,、um, you know, he, he, you know, Carl just he seems like a very humble guy. You know, he worked really hard, you know, to build OnePlus, and now he's worked even hard to build、um, nothing. And, you know, we did get a few nuggets of, of information that hasn't been published before. So that's kind of exciting, and you'll hear about it. I think, Nick, you were really excited when we, we talked about some of that stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's leave it at that. And、um, we hope you guys enjoyed the, the interview with Carl. Carl, hi. Hi. How are you today? I am、uh, very good today. We just moved into our new office here in London. Excellent. We're so、Sweet. excited. So, so, so excited that you are on the podcast. I, I think I tweeted,、uh, well, yeah, I did tweet、um, that we were excited to have a special guest on the podcast. And then someone, I think, he, I think they tagged you. <laughs> and I was like, I hope Carl doesn't respond to that because <laughs> we don't want to give anything away. But we're really grateful that you're on, on the episode with us. And we have a lot of really fun questions that we want to talk about. You know, Nick awesome. has a, I know Nick has a lot of things that he wants to talk about as well. So, why don't we get right into it? So, we had an episode、uh, a few episodes ago where we compared you. <laughs> no, we didn't compare you, but we said that you were the next Steve Jobs. So, I'm going to clarify what we meant by that. Well, I'm sure you've listened to the episode, but what we meant by that is,、mm-hmm. you know, we, we don't see a lot of charismatic people in tech. These days, as we have seen with Steve Jobs, right? One of the things that people see when they, when they listen to an app, when they watch the Apple showcases back in the day was for watching Steve. I mean, he was an iconic individual. He, he presented in, a, in such a fun 
fantastic way. And Nick, I think I want you to jump in as well because you had a different experience. But before I get to you, Nick, I wanted to ask you, Carl, what did that mean for you when we when we said that, you know, like, how did you, how did you interpret that? My first reaction was that I was flattered because I think Steve Jobs, you know, I really look up to him. He's made a lot of contributions to our society and technology, changed a lot of industries. Um, I think the second reaction was, hey, you know, I'm me, he is him. Um, I don't think we have a, too much similarities, although uh, maybe on one, one or two points. Uh, I think we both really, really care about product um, and the overall experience, design, you know, all the touch points for a brand. But I think I think I responded to the to the tweet like, hey, I am me. Um, maybe someday I'll build something uh, successful, but, you know, we're still at the beginning of our journey. Absolutely. And you said something interesting there where you said you are you. And, you know, I think, Nick, maybe you can ex- explain how you have a different sentiment when it comes to personalities in tech, um, right? What, what was that one thing that you talked about yesterday with me? Right. So I know with the, the sort of the Steve Jobs quote, you know, idea, right, was after the iPhone came out, you know, Steve Jobs kind of had that look where he had the the black turtleneck and the jeans and he was always standing in front of a big screen, right? After that all happened, you saw all these other tech companies doing the same thing, right? Like a lot of the phones look like the iPhone. A lot of the CEOs are now wearing a t-shirt and jeans and like, you had that whole basically copycat mentality, whereas, you know, I, I think people are looking for a more authentic individual maybe to lead them versus, oh, hey, we can do the same thing, maybe slightly better or, you know, from a slightly different perspective. So that was kind of where I was coming from when I thought of that, too. Right. And so one of the questions that I sort of had in my head was, and I, maybe, Carl, you can talk to this, is what makes it more authentic? Is is it having someone who's a bit more down to earth and bridges the connection between the CEO and um, their the consumers um, and, and being more close to them or having someone who is separate from consumers and has their own persona and, and is, you know, has that turtleneck jeans um, type of vibe? Um, what does that mean to you? What makes it more authentic? That might not be the question because I believe that the reason why Steve Jobs was so widely admired is because of the work he did and not necessarily his personality. Um, imagine if he had created a company that nobody cared about. It w- <laughs> wouldn't really matter how eccentric this person would be because you know there's nothing to really care about. So I think that's that's where it kind of stops and ends. At create, can you can we really create products that? Uh, people are really excited about and impact their lives uh, in a, in a meaningful way. Um, I think if we go back to your question, you know, why why are people attracted to these personalities? Uh, my personal theory is because in our current world, there's just so little that's really authentic. You have all these big corporations and uh, communicate with you in a really corporate way. You don't know if it's uh, written by a bot or a person somewhere, or if the person is. Uh, in another corner of the world. So uh, I think just just daring to be yourself and letting your own personality shine through, that in itself is very rare these days. That's why people like Kanye or uh, Elon, um, people, some people hate them, some people love them, but people definitely cannot ignore them. 
So that's a really great way to sort of go into the next sort of set of questions that we have for you, which is sort of looking at you and your transition. So, you know, obviously you, you, you know, business and you started, um, before creating one plus, um, and, and finding it, you, you were your own, I mean, you were, you were an Android and you still are an Android enthusiast. Um, but you did know business, you understood the ecosystem. Why don't you take us back to those days? What was it like to create a company, um, in the Android eco space, uh, ecosystem, you know, what did, what did that look like for you? And, and why did you create OnePlus? Why did I create OnePlus? I was, a, I was a part of building OnePlus. I didn't create it. We had a large team and we had a lot of resources. I did help build up the international side of, of the business though. Um, and it kind of was a bit organic. So I've been an Android fan. I've been a phone fan even before Android. What was your first phone that you ever had? My first phone was the 3310. Oh, Nokia. nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, classic. I bet it still works today. Uh, if I can find <laughs> it, I bet it still works. Yeah. Um, but I think my favorite memory of a phone was the Sony Ericsson T610. Uh, candy bar format. You could change wallpapers and... That's where I started getting really active on these online communities, like almost competing with other people to design wallpapers for the phone <laughs> and being in these contests. Um, and then just, you know, spent a lot of time on different f- phone brand uh, online communities. Eventually, you know, found XDA, found CyanogenMod back in the day. Um, I, I bought the first Android phone, the HTC G1. Oh, wow. And I think it was, it was carrier lock to some... Uh, some carrier, I forgot which one. Probably T-Mobile. Probably T-Mobile. Yeah. Yeah. And I was in Sweden, so I had to figure out how to unlock it and <laughs> install some other <laughs> up- updates, etc. Ah, so that's how it's good old mod. Yeah. <laughs> that was those were the days, right? When you when you were excited to to break out of the carrier lock and, and try to figure out how you can create your your own your own piece of device. But that's interesting because that that clearly was where your focus was, right? I mean, that's you, your the start of you wanting to to create a phone or create a brand was from you wanting to you know, jailbreak a phone and, and, and do something different with it. Right. And so, so when you, when you had that thought, was it, was the first thing like, Oh, I want to create something of an experience for everyone. Was that, was that sort of what came into your head when, when you decided to do that with your phone? As a kid, I've always had this thought, you know, there's so many companies in the world and why don't they do this? Or why don't they do that? So what if we could, or what if I could influence how a company would be run? So I always had this kind of thought I would have my own ideas and I could influence things and affect things. But for, for OnePlus, we were just like, okay, we're going to make a phone and Hey, this, this really cool, uh, custom OS, uh, Synergy mod, they were now becoming a company and they needed a phone to be on. So it kind of just, uh, was quite organic and natural. I think we, there used to be an event every year called the big Android barbecue. Oh. And uh, yeah, in Texas, we met at that event and uh, just uh, made a deal happen really quickly. That's fun. Imagine going to an... Do they still have that barbecue? I mean, I can't really eat anything there because I'm vegetarian, but 
<laughs> I, I I wonder if they hey, still have they that. might have jackfruit. You never know. Oh, fair, fair, fair. True, true, true. I, I I don't know. I've never actually been to one of those, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's been a few years. I, I haven't been to any since. <laughs> well, that's because you you're creating one. You're creating nothing now, which is first of all, we need to talk. I I, I have a few things I want to ask. So, um, I I do want to get to your transition between one plus and nothing. But um, before we get to that, the the name nothing. Can you tell us how you came up with it? <laughs> because there's a lot of fun puns that can happen with it. It's I feel like that was strategy. Yeah. Was that was that a, strat- a strategic move there? Um, it was just really, really hard to find a name in the beginning. And uh, the team and I, we really liked the essential name as well, which is why we bought it. But then eventually we were like, hey, should we really, you know, launch upon somebody else's legacy or should we build our own? So we, we scrapped that one, but it was really hard to find a good name. And I remember one time I was uh, just on a walk with my little sister and uh, I, just, I, I shared some of the names that we were thinking of. And uh, she, she, she said that they were all really cringe. So <laughs> can you tell us some of the names? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh, I'll share one. Oh, I'll share two. One was uh, Stone. It's <laughs> like a rock, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and one was Next. As this is the next thing that's going to happen. Oh, okay. That's that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was really cringe. So I got upset that I that my ideas were cringe. So I said, okay, we're just going to call it nothing. She's like, yeah, this is really cool. Like, just just <laughs> just call it nothing. I love that. That's that's hilarious. <laughs> but uh, I mean, we chose it because you know it's really memorable, very easy to like read, very easy to pronounce memorize across different countries, languages, and cultures. Um, and also says something about where we're going because we don't think the current product ecosystem is very well-made or very you know well-thought-out. So if we could build something more seamless, eventually, if a user experience is very good, you don't really have to think about it all the time. It kind of becomes muscle memory and it fades into the background, um, into nothing. So... Uh, The reason why we love the name is because, you know, both has this very, uh, it's very aligned with our, with our vision, but it's also kind of funny and punny and uh, easy to remember and spread. That's super interesting. Okay. We, we do want to get into your vision in a second, but let's talk about that transition between OnePlus and nothing. So when you left OnePlus, I mean, I think there was part of that probably was because you wanted to create something else you wanted to you know start something different what what was going on in your head when you left oneplus and did you already have the idea of creating something did you already have the idea of creating nothing <laughs> oh god um not really i uh so first of all i'm really grateful for the opportunity i had at oneplus i was only 24 i think when when oneplus started so uh i learned a ton there um I left on my 31st birthday um, because I think in my 30s, I should really be building something of my own. Mm -hmm. Um, I had some ideas. I just felt like I had some creativity in me that wasn't uh, being put out into the world. So I didn't really have a ton of plans. Um, You know, I thought I was going to go on vacation for half a year because I've I've been working so hard for the past, you know, seven, eight years. I was going to ask, did you go on vacation? Uh, 
I did, but it was a short vacation because it got really boring. Um, <laughs> I was like, hey, all these places I wanted to go to, like uh, south of Italy and uh, Amalfi Coast, Capri, south of, south of Greece, whatever. Um, but every day was pretty much the same. Go to a new place, a nice hotel, nice pool, nice weather, nice food, nice drinks, and then repeat, repeat, repeat. Mm-hmm. It's it's not really fulfilling. No, exactly. After like two, three weeks, I I felt a lot of grief for for it was it was so boring. I felt I was I was wasting my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went back to work. That's that's very um that's a very deep feeling. I mean, for for uh, an entrepreneur, I mean, I think you know we we tend to look at entrepreneurs as people who only work work work. We don't. I, I don't think people look at the the dark sides. I'm not necessarily calling it, you know, it, it's not as deep as it sounds, but I just, I think the fact that you said, you know, you felt grief and you felt you weren't fulfilling some, you weren't doing something to fulfill, you know, yourself, but also for consumers, that that's a big feeling. And that's, I think that's very, I think more people need to hear that. And, um, I guess, I guess, how how did you overcome that feeling? Did you decide that you were going to break out of it and be like, no, I have to, I have to do something for myself. And then was that when you came up with the idea of like, okay, let's start doing, let's start with nothing. Let's start with, with starting a new company. Yeah. So I was bored and I felt I needed to do something, but on the other hand, um, nobody on the team had ever raised money before. So we're all quite anxious, like, uh, why would anybody give give you millions of dollars for something very risky? So what I did was I went back to Stockholm um, and started reconnecting with some of my entrepreneur friends there. Um, you know, Stockholm has a very vibrant startup scene and there's a lot of cool products coming out of Sweden. Um, so that community was very welcoming and open to me. One one meeting led to another. People wanted to introduce me to other entrepreneurs. And over the course of a couple of weeks, I had probably met everybody and all the founders in Sweden. Um, and I asked everybody, like, how do you start a business? How do you raise money? Or like, what do you think about? What's the strategy? And it was kind of a tough period because I met all these cool people and they all gave me like different advice. They were all smart, so I didn't know how to synthesize it but over time i kind of started learning the nuances and kind of forming my own strategy and just started raising money uh, in sweden that's incredible so when you started raising money and you decided you know okay i'm going to start this new company um i guess my question is like why did you create nothing i mean we look at the android ecosystem and you know i think when people and I'm talking, I'm not talking about the enthusiasts. I'm talking about general people. When they hear mobile phones, they know of two ecosystems. They they know Apple and they know Android. And obviously with iOS, it's Apple. There's only one thing. But then when people think of Android, the first thing that most people think of is Samsung, because obviously that is the, the broad market share of the Android mm-hmm. audience. So I'm curious, I mean... Are you hoping to be the next Samsung or is this more about like you caring about your own fan base or not necessarily fan base, but like 
you know, kind of like BlackBerry. Like BlackBerry is a company that was like, we have our audience. We care about them. We don't necessarily care about being the next Samsung, right? They have their own enthusiasts and they cared about their fan base. Is that sort of the the mentality that you have with nothing or is it is it different? Is it bigger? Um, so I guess you're talking about market share and whether we want to be yeah. as big as Samsung one day. Yeah, I think we sh- you should never think about market share because it's only a result. You should think about what you can do to Im- influence that and then focus on that. So if we create the best products and the best experiences, then one day we will probably be a really big and successful company. But just focusing on scale is not the thing we we should be doing. And we're also not looking to be a niche player because in this industry, there's no niche player. No niche player will be able to survive. Because if you don't have the scale, you don't have the power within the supply chain or the pricing or uh, the, the resources or the supply even to to try and create what you want to create. Yeah, makes sense. Um, speaking of the phone, right? And I think more broadly, I want to talk about your ecosystem approach, right? So you mentioned before about building an ecosystem Um I, I think when people think of an ecosystem, they think of something like Apple, where you have a phone, a watch, a tablet, you know, trackers, all sorts of things that sort of fit into one thing and all work together in, you know, kind of a seamless way. Um, starting out with just a pair of earbuds, and then, you know, you have the phone coming up. Are are you trying to focus on, I guess, what people would think of as a traditional ecosystem? Or is this more of... Um, you know, forming partnerships with other brands and kind of tying into that broader Android ecosystem better? I believe that apart from Apple, there's no real other choice if you want a complete solution of products that work really well together because all their products are so well integrated with each other. And that's what we want to create. But, you know, it's very difficult to go head on with a one of the world's most successful companies. We need to find our own way. So our ecosystem model will include working with partners um, so that the end state is like, okay, we have our smartphones, we have our other products, but around these products, you have a bunch of other brands that consumers already know and love and uh, their products that connect well with the rest of our products and our other partner products. So in a way, instead of everything being branded by one single company, it will be a much more diverse ecosystem. Okay. So sort of a works with nothing or maybe, you know, a sticker on a box or an idea like that, right? Something like that. But I think, you know, maybe we're a bit early to be talking too much about ecosystem because from a consumer point of view, all they've seen from us is a pair of earphones. Right. Yeah. Uh, and soon a smartphone. So I think give us a few more cycles <laughs> of product releases and uh, things will become clearer. That's fair. Um, what What do you think about what Google is doing right now versus what they've done in the past, specifically with the Pixel line and everything that was announced at I.O. and how it, it basically looks like they're trying to create more of an Apple-like ecosystem, just maybe without the walled-to-garden approach? I think everybody's trying to create an ecosystem. So uh, I, I'm almost sure that the story that I'm telling is not a unique one. I'm sure that uh, Google or Pixel or Samsung or 
anyone would be trying to build the ecosystem because everybody has seen how successful Apple has been with theirs. Right. If the end goal is the same, I think the difference then is the the path of getting there. And there, I think everybody has their own uh, unique approach. Okay. For your individual products, right? We we saw the earbuds. I, I think those got good reviews just about everywhere. Um, I, I've seen the sales figures for those that have been released. It, it seems like a good start, right? As far as the phone is concerned, I, I don't know how much you're going to be able to share, but it seems to me right now like it's a mid-range device. I believe it was said that it's going to have a Snapdragon 7 series chipset. Um, I, I would say with more competition in that segment right now, you know, you have the Pixel 6a coming out. Samsung's mid-range phones are actually good these days. Um, Apple's got a you know lower-priced iPhone what do you think could be offered from nothing that people will actually look at, you know, while you have these other big companies putting out great phones? Um, From my perspective, I'm a lot more confident today, a month before the phone launch, than I was a month before the Air One launch. Um, I think from a product perspective, I'm just much more confident um, of where we are at what do we have to offer to the to the industry or to the consumers? I think things are really boring. Um, to be honest, I've been using an iPhone for the past two years. <laughs> it's, uh, everything is really boring, and we just want to make, make things fun again. All the products are very similar, features are very similar. Uh, I think you know the only thing that's happened recently is the, the flexible displays. Um, but right. apart from that, not much has changed, so... We hope that we can be, I mean, we're not going to change the entire industry with one product, but I think we could be the kind of the inspiration that people need to start thinking differently. That's really interesting that you said that because we have a a coworker who's a big fan of yours. Um, His name is Derek Lee, and he recently wrote an article about how he finds the Android ecosystem so boring and that the last time he was actually excited about a phone were with Nokia phones and LG phones. And I'm. I just want to kind of. Uh, maybe you can elaborate on that. That feeling of of being bored of this ecosystem. What is it about what we're seeing right now that's boring? What are you, what? Why? And and then obviously you know that kind of ties into how you're you said you said you are a lot more confident in releasing something that would excite people. What is it about this time that's so boring? If you look at the market share figures. There seems to be a lot of companies making Android products. But I think if you look at consumers' mindshare, like what do they actually feel about these products? Uh, They don't really know who's making what product anymore. Mm. As you said, if you talk to a consumer, they might know about Apple, they might know about Samsung or others. And if you put everybody's products together, apart from the foldable phones, which, you know, they're quite unique still, if you put everybody's product together and you put a tape over the logo and you just ask a bunch of normal people to come into the room and tell you who made what, they wouldn't be able to. So if everybody's making the same product, then then why is it not boring, you know? Absolutely. No, I fully agree with you. Uh, talking a little bit more about the phone, and again, you know, we we understand that you want to keep it as as much of a surprise as possible, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try and 
push you a little bit. <laughs> so we we read the interview that you did with um, wallpaper.com and, and that was very revealing. That had a lot of really good snippets and details um, from it. But one thing that was interesting was um, at the very end of the article, and I'm just going to quote it. So it said, on top of everything else, there is this, there is the question of not just how we use our devices, but how we dispose of them, perhaps by lifting the veil on the inner workings of something we learned to take most entirely, almost entirely for granted. Phone one users might be encouraged to take better care of their device, treasuring it for the myriad complexities within. Nothing is staying fairly tight-lipped about how it's approaching this increasingly essential aspect of tech design, save for the fact that the phone one's frame will be made from recycled aluminum to reduce its initial carbon footprint. Watch this space for more detail. So, of course, there's not a lot of detail, but I'm curious, could this aluminum frame help a nothing phone survive those online durability tests? And also, are you able to give us any more details on what this idea of sustainability will look like for nothing? Sustainability is very important to a lot of us here at Nothing, but it's really important to not get caught up in the hype and just do greenwashing. Um, It's a program that we started when we first started the company uh, one and a half years ago, but we didn't communicate too much around it, but there's been a lot of work going on under the hood. I think the most meaningful thing is to, to start working with the supply chain and figure out, you know, when you build these products, how can you reduce the carbon footprint as much as possible. So yes, during that interview, we mentioned the aluminum frame, um, but there's also other stuff we're we're doing on the product to reduce the footprint. I guess what the, the, the wallpaper journalists also meant was, you know, when you make a product look really good, almost like a piece of art, then you also, as a consumer, want to cherish it more and use it for longer. So it's not only that it's sustainable, but you're creating a phone that people want to cherish and take care of more, which is interesting because we look at our mobile, like the cycle of of people keeping their phones. It's about three years right now, but there's a lot of enthusiasts who will go through phones like it's no nobody's business. And also companies are constantly putting out phones like, you know, we see releases every year and there's just so many phones and it's almost like you're going in back to the days where you want consumers to to love their phone more to keep their phone to to almost be like an art piece is that is that a right way of putting it putting it i think we need to care about the products we make for the consumers to care (laughs) (laughs) i think not everybody puts a lot of heart into the products they make Fair enough. I think that's well said. Um, I think one question that Nick is very much, and we brought this up in our in our recent podcast. I think it I was, think it was last week's yeah last week's episode um, about cases. So Nick, what was your thought on that? So um, it seems to me right now that nothing's design philosophy is sort of revolving around the transparent idea, right? Uh, you saw that with the earbuds. It seems like that wallpaper uh, interview. Uh, you know, alluded to that, it, that that's going to be mm-hmm. sort of a, a main design point of the phone. If that's the case, <laughs> I guess, how how will, you know, the difference in materials and the transparent nature of the phone help differentiate it when people just tend to put a case on the phone to cover it up? 
I mean, you could also be more thoughtful in how you design your cases. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but, but I think there's all there's different types of consumers. You know, some people they want to be more low key, and that's fine. And some other consumers want to express their individuality more. So, you, I mean, we got to design for those folks as well. Sure. So, I guess my thought process there goes back into what was said about ecosystems, right? Working with other companies. So if you're designing a transparent phone that, you know, I guess the whole purpose of it is to see this thing, I would imagine then that nothing would partner with case makers and probably make, or maybe even make them themselves, some sort of clear case that enhances the look versus covering it up, right? And not even just a a bland clear case, maybe something interesting like, um, in that wallpaper interview, they showed the subway station map. And I think you all said that that was, uh, you know, a design inspiration. I, is there anything you can mm-hmm. share there as far as cases go? Because I, I know we we kind of surmise that that could be a case with transparent elements and that could really look cool on top of some sort of electronics that are behind it. Yeah. So we are developing a range of cases. Um I've seen some really beautiful designs, but I don't know exactly the time frame of when each will launch. I think some of them will launch together with a phone and some will be coming a little bit later and some others might just be explorations. Sure. Um, but I think working with other case makers, that's something we're not really in a hurry to jump into. Um, and I think we need to just release our phone and see what other people do and uh, really see which teams we really vibe with because just because a team is famous doesn't mean they make great products. Uh, we almost fell into this same uh, same trap, you know, uh, where we were thinking about, hey, should we work with any uh, fashion designers to design a case or design a limited edition of our phone? And we almost did that. But then we came to the realization that why should we do that? We are the designer brand. Why should we work with another designer? Right. You know, so we I think we have to be more confident in ourselves and you know, put our work out there, see who else rises to the challenge and really vibe vibe with us before we decide to work with any other case maker. Okay. On the I guess marketing front, right? I, I'm curious what nothing's marketing strategy is going to be. Is it gonna be more of a traditional route, a, a guerrilla marketing route? Um, I remember back with, you know, the one plus one, you had the invite thing um, that that phone was sort of very elusive. And I feel like that tactic made people talk about it a lot. And I remember when I interviewed you at CES that year, you, you almost seemed surprised that I had the phone. And I almost wonder if that was because, you know, it, it was almost a limited edition device at that point. It was exclusive, right? And it was rare to see them in the wild, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think um, the best marketing is no marketing or there's too, how should I put this? There's there's too many, there's just too many things out there. There's too many companies, too many products. Um, Everybody's trying to market it. Everything looks really boring and generic. I think maybe the best marketing starts from the product itself. If you have a really unique product, you know, people are going to talk about it and want to share a link about the new product to their friends. Um, And then when you communicate with people, can we just stop being 
really corporate. I, I mean, who, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think people want that, right? So how can we bring the human element back? How can we be more real to each other? I think if I had to summarize our marketing, it would probably be, be like this. Okay. Are you going to be targeting any specific regions for the, I guess, initial launch of the phone? Uh, we haven't really announced this information, so I think we, we let's wait a little bit more. Um, okay. We haven't been, been, on the other hand, we have been making some great uh, partnerships all around the world. You know, we've announced uh, the Flipkart deal in India, announced the Deutsche Telekom in Germany, and O2VM here in the UK. Ah, so, okay. That was a question that you had, Nick, if, if right. the phone was going to take a carrier route. That's interesting. Right. So I, I guess that. That that basically answers that. It just depends on what country you live in, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We believe in uh, wide availability. Like, this is not a game. The way people purchase smartphones, it's quite, it's quite established. You know, in some Western markets, people tend to buy phones on contract. In some other markets, like India, people tend to buy phones unlocked. Uh, this is not a thing we want to change. We should focus on our product and our brand and our experience. So given that, then, what would you consider to be a successful launch? Would, would it be in terms of sales, reception, some sort of other criteria? Yeah, I think the feedback from our users, um, feedback from our users, do they love our product? Do they want to recommend our product to their friends and family? Actually, in our own mission statement, you know, we also have a line that we want to build products that we're proud to share with our friends and family. I think that's key. Like, first of all, can we build a product that can satisfy ourselves, that we can proudly share with other people? If we can't, we shouldn't release it. And second, you know, uh, how do our users feel? Do they want to share it as well? I think that's the biggest testament of success. So what we want to finally touch upon um, are a few things. And I want to sort of circle back to the beginning part of our conversation. And I've I've been hearing your responses for about 35 minutes now. And you're, it, it's really interesting to hear the way you speak about the Android ecosystem, the way you feel about launching a product. You, and I, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you, what you have to say about this, but a few responses that you said recently when Nick was asking about the marketing structure, one of the things that you said, which really made me think like, did you go through some sort of existential <laughs> like thought process where you, you, you know, you said something along the lines of you want to get back to the roots. You want to, you know, humanize the space. You want to connect back with people. To me, that's a very, um, you know, a, a different way of thinking about this space. And I, I'd like to kind of hear your thoughts on on why you feel that. Like, why do you feel the need to reconnect and have that human element um, when launching a product? I mean, we're people and we just organize ourselves in a company and we make products for other people. But I think sometimes this gets forgotten. And I think one thing that I stumbled upon recently, I think it was Tony Fadell who wrote about it in his new book. And now it's probably like, I'm going to probably misquote him, but when you make a product, it has to come 50% from the heart and 50% from the brain. 
I think a lot of companies and a lot of people, they've forgotten how to use their heart. They have access to a lot of insights and data, uh, market research, consumer insights, focus groups, market share data, competitive data, supply chain data, and they just make something very data-driven, which is fine, but then everybody has the same data, so all the products look more and more the same. But I think if you look at the product breakthroughs, of the past, you know, it can't just be based on data. Sometimes you have to take a take a risk. So maybe that's the that's the thought that that led to this, you know, thinking of how can we be more real? How can we be more in tune with our uh, instincts or our inspirations instead of just being very uh, kind of right brain like data driven? No, and I think that's that's really lovely to hear as well, coming from something you know, someone who is in the tech space, because when we look at technology, we're so, as you mentioned, data-driven. It's like, what's the next big thing? How can we disrupt this industry? How can we, you know, do this, blah, blah, blah. And there's no real sense of heart that's involved in that. And and there's this almost like cold facade that technology has. But when you when you change that and bring in that heart element, I think it really does, it's, I think that is more disruptive than what, what we're seeing out there. I guess, um, and I don't know if you can <laughs> respond to this, but, you know, I guess, what were you able to do with nothing that you weren't able to do with OnePlus? I mean, is there something that you're doing differently now that that you didn't do before? Uh, I guess at OnePlus, I was just responsible for a part of the business. Now I'm responsible for everything. That's a big deal. How does that make you feel? It's a, it's a big difference. It's a big responsibility. Uh, the first half year was really difficult because everything felt like uh it was it was totally my responsibility from when we raised our seed round when these entrepreneurs and friends invested in us it felt like i was you know personally responsible for their money now damn that's a big responsibility and when the <laughs> first employee started to uh sign the employment contracts then you know i was responsible for people's careers so <laughs> there's a lot of pressure in the in the early days, but I think over the past one and a half years, as we've hit some of our milestones, you know, the year one doing well, phone one development going well, fundraising going well, got some solid um, team members on the team now. Each of these milestones have reduced the pressure. So today I'm pretty chill, but uh, <laughs> it wasn't always very easy. Did you ever have imposter syndrome? Every day, but you just got to live with it. Yeah. So when you were going through those difficult moments and you were kind of, you know, being responsible, I mean, you still are, but being responsible for all these people, what did you do to keep yourself grounded? How did you, how did you, you know, did you meditate? Did you read? What, what, what works for you when you have those moments? You just got to push through, I think. And then when looking back at those moments, they seem like small things. Absolutely. Just got to deal with it. Keep building. Um, I mean, the difficult periods will pass and they will seem like easy periods in hindsight. Absolutely. I'm really curious to know, what are you excited about when we look at the Android space, when we look at nothing? What what are you excited about and what are you looking forward for? It's, uh, I mean, me and the team, we're pretty much all head, heads down on the phone one launch. So <laughs> that's the big thing for us. You know, we put a lot of, Going back to the what we said previously about instinct and, and heart, we made a lot of product decisions that are 
indefensible if you look at data. So it'll be really exciting to see how the market reacts to those. Well, that being said, Carl, thank you so much for coming on this episode with us. And we're we're really grateful. I think this is a big deal for us. And, and we're very, very grateful and thankful for, for, for you coming on. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. Take care, guys. Take care. We've all been there. Trying to find the right candidate when we're hiring for someone is so incredibly hard. And I think that's where Indeed makes a really good fit for if you're trying to find the right person to hire because it's the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash ACP. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash ACP. That's indeed.com slash ACP. Now, just to note, the offer is only good for a limited time. Terms and conditions apply. Paper qualified applicant not available for all users. And let me tell you something. I can guarantee you you're going to find your next hire if you use Indeed. Okay. Uh, so, hi, Nick. We're back. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> so, obviously, everyone's heard the interview. That's cool. Um, yeah, I think it was a really great opportunity for us. Um, and we're really grateful. What do you think, Nick? I think nothing. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm surprised. We, we have to insert as many of those as possible into this. So, you know. Even, yeah. even the terrible ones are, are good oh, to put in. A hundred percent. And I'm surprised <laughs> we didn't make more of those pun jokes <laughs> throughout throughout the call. I, but <laughs> I, I almost felt bad. I'm like, especially after we talked about how they came about the name and stuff. I'm like, I don't want to like sit here and, and do that because I don't want him to think I'm making fun of the name because I'm really not. I do this yeah. with whatever. But you know, yeah, that was like... that was definitely one of my my favorite parts. But um for now we're gonna let you guys go. We we will do a reaction possibly next week, but for now we just wanted to leave you with this interview, and uh, and we're really excited for you to hear it. And before I let you guys go, what made you happy this week, Nick? Oh gosh, put me on the spot. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> uh, goodness. I'll go first if you want. Yeah, you go first, I, and I'll then I'll first. think. Sorry, I didn't even think about it ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. So, um. I was uh, in a car accident on Friday of last week. It, 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 I'm fine. Everything's good. Um, I just got rear-ended. But uh, I guess what what made me um, happy was just how seamless, seamlessly everything was done once I dealt with everything. Like, my insurance company was really great. I was able to make my collision report. It was so easy. Everything just went really, really well. And I'm just really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for my life and I'm really happy about it all. And so, yeah, that's something that made me happy this this week. Your turn. It's, I was surprised to hear you begin with that because I'm like, all right, where, where is this going? Because I knew about the accident. Obviously, we talked about it. But oh, yeah. The best was when I got into the accident and then Nick sends me a message on Slack being like, hey, can you edit this article for me and I like message back being like I just got into an accident 
And he was like, oh, shit. Okay, yeah, deal with that. This is not important. <laughs> yeah, t- take your but, time, right? Yeah, Get that take all your spurred time. away. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, so for me, um, I think I already said that I was trying to lose weight, you know, just tone up whatever in a previous episode. I'm My waistline is now down two inches. So I'm, <gasps> Whoa, that's I'm, amazing. I'm very happy about how well this has gone. And it's been... Um, I think about two months now since I started. So it's it's been good. It's been great progress. I'm really happy with it. That's amazing. (laughs) I'm very happy that that you are I love that. That that's the thing. I I've I also have had I've I'm part of that fitness journey. I mean, I've been doing it for many, many years, but I remember when I when I first started seeing gains. I, it was just such a surreal moment because it was like, this is what I've been working for. So right. I'm, I'm really happy that you feel that way. That's amazing. Yeah. And and I know for me, it's it's weird because I've never really cared, to be honest. Like, yeah. I just, I've just kind of existed. I mean, <laughs> I've existed and enjoyed food. And now I like, I understand why certain things are not great to eat and what I should eat more of. And like, just... Just having that knowledge, I feel oh, like, yeah. has been such a great part of this journey. Even if, you know, I didn't lose a ton of weight or anything, um, just knowing that this is why I feel better now. Yeah. Because sure. I'm, you know, eating these things and not eating these other things or whatever is, it's just been, it's been eye-opening to me. And like so many oh, things, I'm yeah. like, my gosh, we really yeah. do eat very poorly all the time. No, but you know, the really good thing is, and I, I encourage people to remember this always, is as you're on this journey, um, don't forget to understand your relationship to food more. Because I think what we tend to forget to do when we're working out is we start dieting or we start like limiting ourselves from from the things that we want to enjoy and you should never limit yourself to something you should definitely enjoy everything but it's all about moderation and ensuring that for the majority part of the time that you're doing this you're putting good stuff in your body but every so often you can treat yourself and that's okay right. and you shouldn't feel bad about it right yeah exactly well i'm really happy and i'm happy we did this episode I'm really excited to be doing this with you, Nick, all these cool special episodes. so Agreed. <laughs> it's good stuff. I hope everyone's enjoying it as well. And again, we are very grateful wherever you're listening, whether it's in the morning, afternoon, or night. Thank you so much for taking the time and listening to us. And we'll catch you guys next week. Bye. See ya.